You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire from the Montreal Gazette and Game Over Montreal with the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. And I'm here with, as always, the lovely Mary Clark from For the Win. We've got a great show for you today. Make sure that if you love the show, that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, head on over to social media and follow us on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire, at Mary C. Clark, and at Crosscheck NHL. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your friends about it. We're going to have lots of fun here today. Uh, We've got some unfortunate news, first of all, uh, about the Calgary Flames. They've had uh, some games postponed due to COVID outbreaks. We've got a horrible take from John Tortorella that we're going to get into. And then we've got some uh, fun and not fun, but like career retrospective stuff for Ben Bishop and also some hilarious hijinks with Brendan Lemieux. But before we get into all that, Mary Clark, how was your weekend? My weekend was good, uh, Andrew. Uh, Not really much to speak of other than I played video games for a lot of it. I was supposed to go away to Chicago um, for a Comic-Con with my sister. But I thought in the end, you know, with the pandemic and everything, even though we're boosted, I thought it'd be, you know, better to stay at home considering, you know, we've got a whole bunch of family stuff coming up uh, within the next couple of weeks because Christmas is almost here, Andrew, and I'm still waiting on a whole bunch of presents to get here. So I'm kind of panicking just a little bit as my sister is, you know, working on uh, wrapping all her presents and she's got most everything done. And meanwhile, I have like all these like unwrapped presents and still a ton left to go but uh, i had a very good weekend um it's gonna ramp up though because we've got lots of family stuff to do and uh it's the holiday season and the audience can't see this but you have christmas lights on your microphone stand and it's just it's really bringing me into the holiday season right now yeah they can see it if they watch game over montreal that's fair the the steve dangle podcast not this show though i'm not i'm (laughs) I'm here to promote your show but yet yeah this is true but we will be on youtube soon Hopefully, so yeah. So we, yeah. we should plug the channel, actually. Uh, I have to remember what the actual channel is called. I would assume it's I think probably Crosscheck NHL. Let's see. We're about it's, to find out. I'm going to find out live here. Sorry that it's taking me a second. <laughs> so unfortunately, it doesn't have like an easy URL to remember yet. But if you just search Crosscheck NHL show on YouTube, you will find it. We've got a couple of videos up that yeah, uh, some are just placeholders from I don't know what. I think it was from the live show, maybe. Uh, to that's start something, the year. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was from our live show to start the season. So Yeah, so nothing that's too relevant now, but if you want to go over there, there's videos up that you can watch no, you and can, check us out. No, you can look at them and see how wrong our predictions have been. I'm pretty Oh, God, sure. don't do that. Yeah, don't no, no, that. no, please. Please do it. Ra- drag us through the coals. I'm here for it. <laughs> no one needs to see me picking the Islanders as the Stanley Cup champions. I think, I, I mean, I picked the Islanders to go far too, Andrew, so it's we're all in the same boat. Uh, the Islanders yeah. are just a disappointment to us all. Uh, yeah, I don't think many people were picking them to be in this situation, even with the 13-game road trip to start the year. But yeah, our weekend was uh, pretty tough. We had some cranky kids here. Everyone's getting over a cold. Today's the first day that I can talk for an extended period and not start coughing, so that feels really nice. Yeah. Because last week, like when you talk for a living and you're, you've got something with your throat, it is tough. I got to tell you, like it, I'm not going to complain about my job because I, I do love my job. It's a fun job. I get to talk about hockey for a living, but when you can't talk, you just feel like you're disappointing people, you know, and like you're you're trying to get a point out and you're coughing. You feel like an an audio medium. People are tuning out because it's just not fun to listen to that. So I'm glad that I can finally speak again. That is very nice. But uh, 
not a great weekend over in this house. We're glad that it's the week and we can get going on having some work here and talking about hockey. So uh, let's get right into it here. The Calgary Flames have had their games postponed until December 16th. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, December 13th. So this is just as the announcement has come out this morning. It's not a big amount of games at the moment, but because there's this new variant, uh, Omicron, it seems like there's a high potential combined with the protocols that have been put into place in China for the Olympics that uh, for the first time, I'm actually starting to wonder if the players aren't going to go. Yeah, um, I kind of grouped this together in this section because they're they're intrinsically linked with one another. The COVID yes. stuff and the stuff about China in the Olympics. But I'm pretty sure the Flames are, they postponed three games. I believe it's three games. They were supposed to have a game on Monday night, which you pointed out on Twitter, Andrew, that because they postponed that game, there's no games on Monday, which is wild because it's like why why didn't we've had this discussion of why doesn't the, the nhl schedule games better and uh this is example number one on that list of there's no hockey on monday that just makes no sense to me um but i saw a tweet from Sank frank cervelli that was like approximately 17 percent of the league has been in covid protocols this season this is crazy which is yes which is uh, i mean i don't know how many teams have postponed games but there have been more than a handful now we're we talked way back when the Senators were the first ones, I believe, that, you know, they have built in days to get this done, but they are, they seem to be running out of runway here uh, with the amount of teams that have postponed since. I mean, the Flames, um, I think the Devils or the Islanders uh, were some of them too. Like, we've had a whole bunch of teams, and 17% of the league isn't an insignificant amount. I think he said approximately 123 players. Yeah, I think been the first in... team to delay was the Senators. Yes, it? yes. Yeah. And we talked about that on the show a couple weeks ago. But the reason why this is important is because also a couple days ago over the weekend, uh, more information about the Olympics um, and, you know, protocols and stuff like that has come to light. Um, the big news is that the quarantine period, if you test positive and don't have, I believe, double negative uh, tests, the quarantine period in China can be from 21 days to five weeks. Yeah, I don't understand that because everywhere else in the world, it's two weeks and that's been the operating standard. And I understand there's a new variant here and there's there's questions surrounding it. But OK, the completely cynical part of me is saying that China is putting in these draconian protocols to influence opposing countries to not participate, essentially, so that China can win a bunch of medals. That's that's like the very cynical part of me because like China is a very messed up uh, government, we'll say. I don't want to say country because there's lots of amazing Chinese people, obviously. But uh, China, aside from the, the diplomatic boycotts that are going on for a variety of reasons, including the uh, disappearance and holding of a tennis player in China for speaking out about a sexual assault committed by a member of the government, it's... Like, there's a lot of reasons why people would not want to go to these Olympics, and this is just another one on top of it. But I think this, which you had in the documentary, the combination of this possibility of missing five weeks, which, like, even that, I think, is very difficult for an NHL player to convince themselves to do, because five weeks post-Olympics is, like, really important for making the playoffs. You know? Yeah, if you were... That's huge. But also, the NHL has in their policy that if you test positive, you don't get paid. Or wait, I think it's actually only, 
uh, if you're unvaccinated. But if I you're held it, out, yeah, it's like there's there's definitely some stipulation where like if you're positive with COVID, the team doesn't necessarily have to pay you. And I feel like five weeks of missing your paychecks is uh, pretty severe. Yeah, I mean that's like the extreme end of the of that spectrum. Like it mm-hmm. for every like obviously running on the assumption that NHL players do go like. And that does happen. You probably won't see a lot of those five week quarantines. That's the extreme end of the spectrum. But that is still yes. extremely worrying because what if you're in usually if I remember correctly, isn't hockey one of the last things in the Olympics, like the final the gold medal game is usually one of the last days of the Olympics, correct? Yeah, often the gold medal game happens like right before the closing ceremonies. So then like you, you d- almost concurrent. You do the math out of that because that's like what mid to late February. I don't know the exact dates of the Olympics uh, next year, but you do the math. If someone on Team Canada tests positive for COVID on right before the gold medal game or something like that, and has to stay in China for five weeks, and it's a member of a big, you know, like say Mitch Marner, basically for example, because that's the first prominent Canadian I could think of on a team that's competing. Not that the right. Maple Leafs, you know, need would need him in the back stretch considering how well they've done this year, but that's a huge blow to a team that would basically get you pretty much close to the playoffs, like right yeah, at the I end mean, playoff push. You could look at uh, just teams on the outside of the wild card, right? Like Columbus, would they be willing to let Zach Wierenski go to Team USA? They're a couple points behind Boston for the last wild card spot in the East, or Winnipeg. They're a couple points behind Vegas for the last wild card spot in the West. Would they allow Connor Hellebuck to go or Mark Shifley? You know, like there's a lot of questions that are going to be very tough. And I know that uh, Gary Bettman mentioned that the whole situation is a decision that they leave up to the players because this was something that was put into the CBA because the players want to go. So it's something that he said that they will deal with it as it happens. It's up to the players. But now the choice becomes much harder for the players than just like, is the rest of the schedule going to be more difficult for like compressing games? It's now, am I going to lose weeks of pay? Am I going to be stuck overseas? You know, and even after I'm done losing weeks of pay, I have to come back with no access to team training, you know, on a different schedule entirely, you're going to have insane jet lag being in China that long, right? So you've probably got another week and a half of adjustment at least. And that's not to mention if, like, like they have, like, obviously, if they're staying in China for that long, they would have had COVID. And that's, you know. That's we've another, seen, of course. We've seen how that has impacted players since, you know, the pandemic began. So there's just a whole, you, you have to juggle a whole lot of things if you're going to go to China for the Olympics and you're right I mean like I think you've heard over the past couple of weeks my like um my doubt has like doubt has started to creep into my mind about the uh, the NHLers going to the Olympics but this seems to be the most dire um of circumstances right now it it doesn't look good um and you know with the amount of teams postponing games Who's to say what's going to happen come February? I believe they still have until sometime in January to, you know, pull out of their agreement with the Olympics. But it's not looking good. It really isn't. And it's it's sad because we were all hoping that we'd finally get NHLers back in the Olympics. And this is one they want to go to as well because they want to, you know, expand into China. And they want to grow the game from that international market standpoint. But, 
you know, the pandemic is messed with a lot of things, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is yet another thing this is messed with, even however many years we are down the line in this almost, what, two? You know, it sucks. It just sucks all around. Yeah, it's it's awful. And unfortunately, like, this is just... I, I would like to see the Olympics, I think, as much as you want to see, like, the athletes compete, and it's something to take our minds off of the garbage that's going on putting these athletes at risk is also very selfish, right? And I hope that things calm down enough by February that it's like not as big of a risk. I, I hope that there's enough third doses to go around and this variant proves to not be very dangerous as it seems to be much more communicable, but we just don't know. And it's not the kind of thing that we can push for <laughs> responsibly. Yeah, sorry, I'm moving around a lot because my cat is making noise while we're filming this segment. But, you know, I completely agree, though, with everything you're saying, though. It is, it's just really unfortunate. And I think we want, we all want what is best for the athletes. And I wouldn't begrudge them at all if they decide not to go. They have to juggle so much um, of, you know, their, their health, first and foremost, their pay. I mean, it's a lot. I mean... You know, some players will still want to go because the Olympics means a lot to them. I mean, you've seen what it means to players like Alex Ovechkin um, in the past who has said he wants to go to these things. And, you know, regardless of what the NHL says, but, you know, it's just it's it sucks. And I feel bad for the players that have to make this decision because it is ultimately on them. But I am sure the league will also have something to say about it, too, because we're getting to the point where a bunch of these issues are compounding and will a decision is going to have to be made and i would not i'm more leaning towards them not going now than going so yeah for sure well unfortunately there's just not much else that we can add at this point we don't yeah, know it's a developing it's a developing story obviously we'll talk more about it as we get closer to the olympics because i mean we have you know hopeful olympic content plans but you know things change and we have to move plans around and stuff like that but just you know just it's a developing story, so don't be surprised if, you know, things things could take a turn for the worse or they could get better. Who's to say? Yeah, we don't know. But if they do take a turn for the better and we get to enjoy the Olympics, well, why don't you watch the opening ceremonies with a delicious Omaha steak? The holidays are around the corner and finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter NHL into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons, chicken breast, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code NHL, you'll get an additional 8 Omaha Steak Burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com and you'll get 8 free burgers when entering the code NHL. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor. Incredible value and 100% guaranteed. OmahaStakes.com keyword NHL. You listen to podcasts for power for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch, so you can get the latest episodes all on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free mobile, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers, coverage will not, uh, offers and coverage not available everywhere for all phones and networks. See boostmobile.com for details. 
All right. So, Mary, it's an interesting thing here we've got with uh, John Tortorella, where he seems to be doing very well at becoming the Skip Bayless of hockey on ESPN, or NHL on ESPN, I guess, is the brand. But uh, he's putting it out there. (laughs) Not a fan of the Trevor Zagris fake-out lacrosse assist, where he threw it up in the air to Sonny Milano over the net, over the goalie. It's, uh... I understand from an entertainment perspective that having somebody there to put out strong takes definitely helps. But here's where I find the disconnect to be. The fact that he is waxing poetic for an era of the NHL where if someone did something like that, they'd be decapitated, which essentially means you would injure a person or attempt to injure a person for doing something quote unquote flashy, right? And he's saying like, this is not good for the game, according to him. And that he would take the player aside after this game and tell them that they shouldn't be doing something like this. Well, here's the thing. The player who scored that goal with the bat in was Sonny Milano. Sonny Milano used to be coached by John Tortorella. Sonny Milano was a highly touted prospect and absolutely floundered for years under John Tortorella. This is the issue. It isn't just some guy on TV saying stuff to get clicks and to promote the show like a Skip Bayless who has no actual influence over the game. He's just some guy who talks and then hates on LeBron James and then LeBron James just looks at him and flashes his four championship rings. This is a guy who has and will likely again coached kids in the National Hockey League. And his opinion is probably not very uh, outlandish in terms of uncommon among NHL coaches. This is where I have an issue with this whole situation. If you're going to go out there and tell kids that being more skilled than your opponent is disrespectful, but bashing somebody's head in for being more skilled is playing the game hard, you're making the game worse. And I... I put that out there on Twitter shortly after uh, on Hockey Night in Canada. Elliot Friedman said that uh, people shouldn't pile on John Tortorella's statement because it's just one person's opinion. And I disagreed, obviously, because I think that there's no protection that you have posting an opinion that people can't criticize it, right? And if there's pile on, it means your opinion is unpopular. So you have the freedom to post your opinion. Everyone has the opinion or has the freedom to post their opinion about your opinion, which in this case, it was an ass opinion. So John Tortorella deserves every tiny bit of criticism. And in my view, people like him harm the game. You know, we've seen countless stars flounder under John Tortorella. Enough's enough. We got to get this game to the point where Trevor Zegers is celebrated and the head bashers are not. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe, I, to be fair, I wasn't defending John Tortorella when we had the McDavid thing. I was enjoying the fact that we had contrarian perspectives and made for interesting watching broadcasts. And, you know, so I wasn't, I'm not to say that I'm backtracking on those comments, but John Tortorella has made me look bad, made me look bad because of that. <laughs> so I not a big fan of that for starters. And yeah, I mean, you're completely right. Um, his comments are just wildly off base and also just completely you know not what you want to see for hockey like i said i want to see hockey broadcasts have you know the fire of you know 
your Skip Baylesses, your Stephen A. Smiths. Like, we need that in hockey to make it. That's why people love, you know, football and basketball so much. They they have those personalities that make, you know, watching the game fun. And not just because the game is interesting, but you have a lot to talk about because these broadcasters fire off their takes of the week and it drives the content machine. And to be fair, John Tortorella is doing that and completely driving the content machine here for forever. But... You know, it's still a sucky opinion, and it's it's really backwards uh, as to how hockey should be. Uh, I remember the last time we talked about Tortorella's comments, you were also mad that no one on the broadcast pushed back. I don't remember who it was, but someone on that broadcast kind of pushed back at him. Obviously, it didn't go to any, you know, lengthy back and forth, probably because, you know, they're limited by the fact that that's you know a tv program and they have to you know keep the show going but uh one of them did actually kind of push back on them just a little bit so i thought i'd you know at least shout them out i have no idea who it was though because i saw the clip and was like i don't know who you are i'm so sorry it's probably like (laughs) somebody i would recognize though just by name it's just one of those things where they didn't have a lower third telling me who was who in that conversation so but shout outs to you for actually pushing back on that because that's what that's what we want at the end of the day um and it sucks that Tortorella's comments are are as they are because he really shouldn't be coaching again in hockey and he probably will be knowing um, how much a lot of hockey people think like he does. Um, but he says the quiet part out loud, basically, uh, says, you know, says a lot about hockey culture in general. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Uh, I just I, I got a lot of responses to that to when I talked about it before and I think there's a lot of people like I don't want to be mean about it but there's a lot of people who are either bots or not very smart and people talking about like oh why are you trying to cancel him or why are you trying to silence his opinion nobody's trying to silence his opinion I'm saying it's wrong yeah it's wrong and it makes the game worse and for people who think that like I, I got a couple of people saying like oh you can't ruin somebody's career by telling them like not to do something like what are you talking about do you think every single player who's highly skilled that ends up being a bust busts only because they're not good enough? You think like it's a completely different situation, but look at Kyle Beach, right? Obviously not the same scale, but do we think Kyle Beach would have not made the NHL if his progression as was not interrupted by sexual assault and then his teammates siding with the assaulter? Like give him a normal situation and you look at his profile heading into like breaking into the NHL, he likely would have had a career. Might not have been the most amazing career, but he was a big dude who could score goals. That usually makes for an NHL career, you know? it's There's lots of things that can throw players off. It's such a high-level sport. So many things can go wrong. Bad development happens all the time. This is bad development. And people say, like, the NHL is not a development league. I find that to be such a foolish thing to say. If you don't think the NHL is a development league, then why do players ever come into the NHL and get better? Like, it happens all the time. And Coaches may not want to handle development of players, but guess what? It's part of the goddamn job. And Tortorella also really doesn't understand the impact of how social media impacts viewing sports. I mean, I'm not, or like social media and just the general internet itself. Uh, you can probably look to the example from, I believe, yesterday, Sunday. I don't watch Formula One, but I didn't realize the millions of people on my timeline that watch Formula One now, be- all because of a Netflix documentary. 
and the social media it has generated since. That was like, I woke up and was like, why are people yelling about car racing? Um, and then people were like, oh, it's because of that Netflix series. And then now people got super invested. Tortorella doesn't understand that that's how kind of the world works now. Zegers's goal like stuff like that will elevate the NHL and having more like get more people to watch it because that was so cool. Even if they don't like become an avid hockey watcher, they may watch that goal and be like, "Wow, that was awesome." And then share it to their friends, you know, maybe tune in for a playoff game or two. Maybe some people are, you know, buying Zegers merch now. Like this is all good for the NHL. Stuff like that is good for the NHL. And Tortorella just doesn't seem to understand that. And it's part of his backwards hockey mindset of, you know, hack how it was um, in his golden years, basically. And that that world is not the world of today. And we need to grow and evolve as a hockey community. And Tortorella just doesn't want to. He thinks that that era of hockey is the best that hockey will ever be. And he's not alone in that regard, like I said. So... Um, but he's completely wrong in that regard. And we've seen how social media can take things and blow them up to a big degree. And even if one person became a fan of hockey after watching that, that's a success, in my opinion. 100%. And like uh, the Montreal Canadiens at practice today, Jake Evans and Jonathan Druin were trying to replicate that goal in practice. The fact that you did something that other professional hockey players think is so cool that they're trying it out in practice, that's amazing. You know, like... You often hear veterans in this league talk about how young kids today, they come up and they do things that they're like, that isn't possible. Like the stick skills are so ridiculous compared to even five, ten years ago. Like it, it, it's absurd. And the fact that we're trying to negate that and try to get back into a more clutchy, grabby, hit in the head style. Like, listen, I enjoy the intensity of playoff hockey as much as anyone. It's amazing. But during the regular season which is an absolute grind. I want to see some Trevor Zegras goals. And the fact is, I've seen a couple of people say like, oh, I don't want to see them try that in game seven overtime. If you're in a game seven overtime and it's gone into like the third overtime, try something cool. You never know. It's also Maybe a very low risk some... play. Like it's, it is. it's a low risk play. Like what's the, what happens if he, if, you know, Sonny Milano flubs the, you know, like hit basically like knocking the puck it could i mean it could if Sonny milano misses maybe it's a turnover in front of the goal crease and you've got zagris caught behind the net sure but like it's a low risk that is yeah it's a very low risk play it's not like Like, they're trying anything in transition yeah it's not like they're trying stuff in transition that's more high risk and results in more a possibly more high dangerous you know breakaway at the other end so this was on the sky on the scale of that i'd i'd love it if you know my team of choice tried that in a in like game seven overtime because like if they score what an incredible highlight to win it like just it's just that we shouldn't be stifling creativity in the nhl and a lot of people want to from you know john tortorella to you know the folks on twitter and you know it's just it really it's just a shame that we're arguing about this because i thought it was the coolest highlight we've seen in the nhl and it's really some time like i'm trying yeah, to it was i amazing. mean mcdavid's goal earlier in the year when he juked out of like juked four rangers out of their pants was awesome but this was just the creativity here was something we haven't seen since you know the lacrosse goal really started to become more of a thing in the nhl um, yeah and see i find like to me the mcdavid goals are far cooler because they're just like that's some weird hockey playing robot that's able to do something nobody else could do. Whereas this is like, this is a really cool, interesting flip play. And it's amazing that it worked out. 
So, like, to me, this is like, oh, that's a cool goal. But the McDavid stuff is like, that's actually mind-blowing. This is true, because McDavid, McDavid is a hockey-playing robot, and we're, yeah. we're not worthy to be watching him. Uh, so I can understand it from that regard. But you're, you're going to get more people, I think, being wowed at a – like, the general audience, the casual audience will be more wowed at a trick play happening in hockey. Because that doesn't happen often. You, you see these great goals, sure, but that was the definition of a trick play. So Yeah. And I think I think there's a pattern emerging here that anything anytime that something really cool happens in the NHL, John Tortorella is going to go on ESPN and go naughty naughty. I don't like it. And at that point, it's I just don't, I don't care what you say anymore. Like just get the hell off my screen. You're not interesting. You're there just to get people to angry. And I hate that kind of lowest common denominator broadcasting where the whole point is to get people upset it's half what coach's corner was in canada for the last 25 plus years like just get it off my screen i understand stand it sells but it's freaking lazy it's so lazy it's a content generating machine it's a content generating machine that's exactly what i said when i first saw it was that he's a content machine and like listen Give me a gig on ESPN and I'll go on there and be like, you know, Sidney Crosby's overrated and I don't think he's a, that hard of a worker. Like, it's so easy to piss people off or say like, oh, well, you know, the Washington Capitals would have won more cups if they had drafted of Guinea Malkin instead of Alexander Ovechkin. Who knows if it's true? It doesn't matter. It's dumb and it'll get people upset. It's easy to upset people. It's easy to troll. And I get that he has NHL coaching experience and that makes it, you know, come from a place where it maybe matters more. But all that says to me is that he shouldn't be behind the bench ever again because he's the kind of guy that holds the game back. All right. End (laughs) rant. Yeah, I was just going to say one more thing is that clearly whatever he's doing is working because we spent an entire segment on it and it fired up the hockey world. So clearly it's working. It's unfortunate that it's working, but it's it's content, baby. It's content. Yeah, it always works. And that's the annoying thing is we've got to get to the point where broadcasting is smarter. And even though it works, don't play the lowest common denominator. Like you can see in any field, the anger share works better than anything else. But if we could get past that and do something better in all forms of media, we would just be better off. Anger sharing doesn't help anyone. And that's why I always plead to people, if you can, take a minute. When you're on Twitter or whatever other social media you use, if you're thinking about sharing something that you disagree with just to disagree with it, go and share an article that you really enjoyed instead, because everyone will benefit more from that. (laughs) All right. I got to tell you about something that I've been hearing about a lot, and it is Stance. Stance apparel, especially because they just launched a new line of active apparel. Plus, it's holiday gifting time, and Stance is one of the coolest gifts that you can give. Share how incredibly comfortable and well-made their socks, shirts, joggers, and hoodies are. And, you know, Stance is just better than the more boring old socks, underwear, and apparel that we've come to settle for over time. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. We all know that this is a very, very uh, Disney-friendly podcast. Guess what? You can get Disney and Pixar-related clothing from Stance. You can get Batman stuff, Wu-Tang Clan, Harry Potter, The Office, Star Wars, Marvel. Like, the possibilities are endless here. Can you imagine having the best kind of branded clothing like Marvel, 
Batman, Star Wars, and it's incredibly soft and comfortable, that's the kind of thing that Stance provides to you. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Those who feel good, do good. Go see it for yourself, register for an account at stance.com, and get 15% off your first purchase using promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. All right, Mary. So we've got Brendan Lemieux back in the news again. We'll we'll cover that and then we'll go to Ben Bishop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan Lemieux got sprayed in the face by water by uh, Marcus Foligno after he scored a goal. Now I haven't seen the video yet. Have you seen it? Yes, I watched it. Uh, mostly because I saw people talking about it on Twitter, and I was like, "What a very random like." It was completely unrelated. I mean, it's related to the biting incident, but it, it happened at a completely unrelated game. It was his first back from the suspension he served. Uh, but the reason why this caught my attention is because it happened in a completely unrelated game. I mean, I'm not sure what if there was anything in the game leading up to this, but he scored a goal. And then uh, as he did, you know, the bench flybys, you know, the players do. Uh, Marcus Foligno you know, visibly was saying something to him and squirted him with water on the bench. And then Lemieux got like, like did a double take and looked very incensed afterwards. Um, And then uh, the comments too afterwards from Felino are also interesting because um, he said he scores one goal and then comes by our bench and thinks he's Sidney Crosby out there. That stuff bothers you. You've got to forget about that guy. He's an agitator and not a very good one at that, which is, funny to me because he clearly was agitated by yeah, it's clearly a good agitator yeah so it's just i i i thought that was just an interesting story because i found it completely unrelated it happened in an unrelated game to his biting incident but it's clearly still on the minds of some of the players i would assume because this just seems very random otherwise i mean sure i get like you don't want to see another player score against you but i don't think lemieux did anything abnormal <laughs> For a player after scoring, I mean, he just seemed hype. Uh, he was chirping the bench. Sure, but... I just I just watched the video. He sure, was definitely chirping the bench. But and like, like, you, you mentioned maybe something happened earlier. It's Brendan Lemieux. Something definitely happened earlier. But like, like you're going to get... If you get scored on, you should expect to get chirped. Like, that... I don't know. It just is... It just seemed very random. But it definitely... It seems like tensions are high between NHL players and Brendan Lemieux. Uh, but he is... He's gone from, you know being from you know biting people to you know being an agitator just by scoring a goal and chirping so um i just thought it was an interesting story and kind of a funny coda to the whole biting incident we had a couple weeks back because still thinking about the fact that he got a suspension for that and everything that else that happens since so. yeah i think my guess is that brendan lemieux is not very likable now no. when i first heard that he was sprayed in the face with water my thought was uh, do you remember back in 2014 when Sean Thornton did that to P.K. Subban from the bench? He sprayed him in the face. But that was during play. And Sean Thornton actually got fined for it because Subban was, like, skating at the time and he squirted water in his eyes. Like, he could have actually hurt himself, right? Like, he was, bl- he was blinded temporarily, tripped on something. You know, like, it could be dangerous. So Sean Thornton was fined. So there is precedence for fining a player for this. It seems like the NHL is not going to do that uh, since it wasn't during play. But it's definitely, like, unsportsmanlike. Yeah. And I, I think this is kind of the issue with what Lemieux brings out of people, right? Is a lot of unsportsmanlike play. So you definitely have to go into games against the Kings and realize that he's not someone you actually want to get involved with. It reminds me back of, was he it? gets away with everything. Was it? I mean, it reminds me of, uh, is it 
Brady Kachuk? Who's the one on the flames? Is that Brady Kachuk? Matt Kachuk. Matt Kachuk, thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the Kachuk brothers. Um, but yes, it reminds me of him because, I mean, he's not nearly, Lemieux is not nearly as talented, but you got, you heard of like incidents involving him. Uh, they've got the same, you know, agitator blood in them. Uh, so definitely, you know, I think NHL teams are kind of on notice now when they play, when they play the Kings, because uh, I mean, before this, I hadn't really heard of Brendan Lemieux. Uh, maybe that's just me being a, an East coaster and the Kings being on the West coast, but but still, like it, it's definitely he's he's gotten a lot of notoriety from these incidents. Uh, so we'll see if it continues into the future of this season uh, and in the future beyond this season, because he's clearly made a name for himself as a as another one of the NHL's pests. Um, so do not be surprised if we mention his name again on this podcast for some other antics he pulls. But you know, it just and like I said, an interesting coda to the end of that biting saga because it happened in the game right after he came back. Like it was his first game back from that suspension. Yeah. All right. So the other thing that happened over the weekend was uh, Ben Bishop finally announces his retirement after trying to come back for a very long time from a degenerative knee issue. Uh, great career for Ben Bishop. Uh, relatively short for considering how good he was. Uh, Eleven year NHL career. Amazing goaltender overall uh, in the playoffs and in the regular season. Huge dude, which definitely helped him. But uh, I think he has left a pretty good legacy in the NHL and seems to be generally well-liked. Yeah, yeah. I I believe he's 35-something, 35, 34. Um, so his, you know, it. it's still a shame that, you know, he had to, you know, go out like this and not, you know, get one last crack at it because, you know, he he had playoff success but nothing like nothing approaching championship level so it you know it i mean i remember him being a beast on the lightning before vasilevsky came into the picture uh, that's kind of how i remember him mostly but he did uh, he he brought the stars to the stanley cup that one year right if i remember i uh, know that was anton kadobin okay. who was the goalie who was i mean he played some games that run but i think it was kadobin in the okay final. was it the year before then that he was, because he he had a good run with the stars. Oh too. yes, yes, he played thirteen games in twenty nineteen. Yeah, uh, yeah, he actually brought the Tampa Bay Lightning right to the final in their first run to the final with this core group, uh, where they weren't quite ready yet. I believe they lost against the Blackhawks. So he had some good runs. Unfortunately, he didn't get to the end. But uh, great career for Ben Bishop. I think he can. Even though he didn't get to leave on his terms, he can definitely walk out with his head held high. Yeah. He had a great career. Yeah. Uh, it just, you know, it, it's never good to talk about, you know, players having to leave the game due to injury. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, a reality of, of yeah. sport in general, right? Yes, Especially, it, at least we can say that he wasn't, like, concussed out of the game, right? Yeah. So, a knee injury, knees and hips are uh, tough areas for goaltenders oh, yeah. over time. Mm hmm it's just a lot of work and pressure put into those areas. And yeah, you don't find a lot of goaltenders who walk without a limp when they're retired if they have long NHL careers. And I'm not laughing at it. It's just, I know the issues and it's, it's a lot. It's, yeah, you speak, it's a tough you, position you over time. You sounds like you're speaking from experience, Andrew. Well, I was a goaltender when I was a kid, mm. but I don't necessarily have that level of oh, yeah. I mean, unless debilitating you, injury. Unless you've it. been hiding an NHL career from all of us this whole time. Yeah, all five, seven of me in that. Uh, yeah. That would be great. The the new Darren. Did Pang. you see? Uh, there's like this is unrelated, but sort of related. I saw a picture of like I don't know who it was, but I saw a picture of like 
one of the goaltenders had like their socks off or their pants like part of their pants off and like the amount of padding to actual human ratio when it comes to goaltenders is ridiculous like it just it looks like a picture if you like shaved off of a dog's like um like their fur from their leg they got really fluffy fur it just looks that it looked that ridiculous and i'm reminded of the fact that we're you know still in that era of you know chunky goalie pads and um i love when they turtle on the um on the on the benches and all you just see is their their heads poking out of their big pads uh so yes this yeah, was the just, chest pads are pretty crazy it was nowadays. just it was unrelated but i remember see, i saw that picture over the past couple of days and i'm like man nhl goalies are really small but their pads are so big yeah that was like a controversy in the Stanley cup final last year yeah. with andre vasilevsky because he's one of the goaltenders who doesn't tie down his chest pad and he just looks like the michelin man out there and you look at him outside of pads and he's skinny as a rail yeah. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury, I don't remember if he ties down his chest pad or not, but similar thing that he is so thin that it's hard to imagine he's an athlete. How do you, I wonder, I mean, obviously Ryan I have no well. experience playing goaltender at any level of hockey whatsoever. I wonder what it's like to move in that because you're, I mean, I don't think the equipment is that heavy, is it? It, it can't. I mean, not anymore, it's not. Yeah, it can't be, but, but that's, it, that's a lot of bulk you're, you're carrying around. And it must be strange to like have, like, you know, your physical this physical size of your body as it is. And then you have to add on to the fact that you're wearing, you know, clothing and uh, material that bulks you up to a big degree. It's just a, it just, you know, it's a fascinating thing to think about as a goaltender, like what your mindset has to be of, you know, the location of your body and being aware of it and stuff like that. I don't know. Just yeah, random, random musings as we close out this segment, but you know, Ben Bishop, really good career. Seems like a good guy. Uh, sucks. You never yeah, got to if you want to see Cup. something, if you want to see something funny with Ben Bishop, Google Darren Pang Ben Bishop and click on images and you can see an, an image in the locker room when he was with the Lightning where Darren Pang is wearing Ben Bishop's equipment and Bishop is wearing Darren Pang's old equipment from when he was oh, I remember on the Chicago this. Blackhawks. Yeah. And it's like little booties compared to the pads that Bishop wears. It's really funny. And the irony is that back when Pang was playing – those old leather pads used to soak up water during the game off like the ice surface, right? So by the end of a game, those players in the old leather pads, each one of those things was like 30 to 40 pounds. So you talk about how tough it is to move around today, back then, like, my God, can you yeah. imagine trying to play goalie and you've got an extra 80 pounds on your legs? Man, what a Be tiring ho- hockey is hockey is a sport and i mean all respect to the goalies in the world i mean i know we kind of talk about how goalies kind of just stood up straight for a lot of their time way back in the day when you know that was a thing but it makes sense that they yeah, just kind of because carrying they so couldn't, much yeah they couldn't do so they couldn't do a lot because they've had so much extra on them that's it's wild but you know goalies are goalies are one of the best things in my opinion about hockey just you know their personality is you know just the position itself is really fascinating to me yeah i could be wrong but i think the original goalie pads like when they started to get like pumped out a little bit were not foam inside they were like down ah so it was like leather and down and it would just carried so much yeah. weight like probably smell tough to be a butterfly terrible. goalie back then oh yeah oh god i can't imagine the smell i mean oh, i think god. we've both been in nhl locker rooms and we know how they smell but yes they don't smell good no, they don't <laughs> i that, i know this is an audio medium but it's bad guys uh but yeah i can only imagine how those old pads used to smell yeah, it, it's not good. All right, so I think we'll wrap it there and we'll go into our pop culture segment in a moment. But first, we got to tell you about Built Bars. Built Bars are the perfect holiday dessert. Now, we're, we're through Thanksgiving, even in America, but 
you know, the holidays are coming up around uh, winter solstice here, and it's the same kind of situation. You still got pies around, and one slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most built bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut built bar, which I've tried and I will say is delicious. It is basically a, a less sweet bounty bar, and I'm a fan of bounty bars. I know it's maybe a controversial opinion for candy bar people, but I like bounty bars. Or you could go for a raspberry built bar instead of raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Christmas isn't coming soon enough, go for a built bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. Maybe it'll make it a little bit less awkward. New surprises coming all the time at built.com, so check the site all the time. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Mary, I know that we don't have much different in the dock for pop culture. I know I didn't get a chance to watch a lot this weekend. Yeah, because you were busy between, not sleeping. Yeah, between not sleeping and dealing with kids and dealing with hockey games, didn't get a lot. So not much to add, unfortunately, for me. I did start watching the most recent uh, series of Drag Race UK with my wife over lunches, but uh, we're not too far into that. And I mean, I don't know. It, it already happened like months ago, so we're we're way behind. So I can't really spoil it for anyone. But uh, it's fun as usual. No, oh, yeah, that's nice. Uh, sorry, I was just thinking. I'm trying to remember uh, because also over the weekend, I um I got Spider Man tickets. Uh, so I was trying to remember Ooh. if you got Spider Man tickets. I did. I'm going to see it Friday morning. So. Next week's show, we can talk about it. So I'd, when are you going to see it? Friday afternoon. Okay. So essentially around the same time. So I'm very excited because, uh, you know, my sister was like, hey, we've got, you know, we've got Friday off. And then my dad was like, hey, I have off Friday. So we're going to go see it, the three of us. Well, which... speaking of Spider-Man, maybe let's riff on that a little bit. Did mm -hmm. you see the poster that was posted this morning by, I think, Victoria Alonso from Marvel Studios? No, I didn't. Uh, can you send it my way so we can have a discussion? And then I can, I sure then can. I can cry about video games. But I wanted to get to Spider-Man first because I wanted to contribute something else other than crying about video games. All right. So it's more of a like comic inspired poster. Okay. All right. Thank you. So for I, I just sent it link. to the group chat. Ooh. Yeah. So it's a it's a really cool poster, which is rare for Sony because they usually make. They crap usually no, they have good alternative posters. So this yes, is... but the main posters are always yes, garbage. Yes, they're the they weird like copy and paste. Yeah, they're the weird like hero gallery things, like hero triangle. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. But so yeah, they're bad. Possible spoilers for people who don't want any spoilers. Please tune out now. Okay. So if you look at this poster, they've got villains arranged through the little spires on the Statue of Liberty, right? Mm -hmm. They've got going from right to left, the Lizard, Green Goblin, Electro, Doc Ock, Sandman, all confirmed. And then if you look closely in the spire that's empty, there's green smoke. And there's a lot of hinting that there's the Sinister Six in this movie, but there's only been five confirmed villains. Green smoke is Mysterio. I was going to say, like, is Mysterio back? Because that for sure that would I mean you directed it to me and I was like man grease smoke wait a minute Mysterio so yeah now look at the outlines of the faces that are to the side of Tom Holland's Spider Man it's very recognizable who those outlines are yeah I mean it and is... I know it's basically confirmed already but this is the first official confirmation from anything Marvel Studios mm -hmm. yeah I mean 
It's really cool. Uh, I'm actually, one of my first thoughts is the Statue of Liberty. I'm reminded of the New York Rangers Statue of Liberty jerseys. It's like very. Yes, it, it's very reminiscent. It's very of reminiscent of that. Uh, but that's a cool poster. And like I said, they've done some Marvel posters are terrible, but I love their alternate posters. I, I'll have to like look up some later because I can't think of any, but I remember seeing, I mean, did they have like a Hawkeye variant um, with um, like for the show of like their, like the iconic comics, you know? Yeah, the the David Aja art, yeah. who, I mean, also, we should say, uh, Marvel Studios and Disney, please start paying the comic artists, because mm-hmm. what the hell? Yeah. yeah. I can't believe David is not getting paid anything for the Hawkeye series that is so intrinsically linked artistically to his work on the series that he did with Matt Fraction. And <clears throat> I know Matt Fraction is being paid as a consultant, but, like, all these people, comic book creators, people who created characters, they need to be compensated. And I understand that when you're working for a company and you create something, it's the company's property. And I understand that thinking for comic and art, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't care, though. Pay them. Uh, okay. I feel like anybody who creates a character should, for in perpetuity, get a percentage of what that character goes on to do. Okay. So while you were having this discussion, which I completely 100% agree with, pay the artists. I was looking up some of Marvel's uh, alternate posters. They have one for Age of Ultron, which is um, like a silhouette of like Ultron's face in black. And um, in the red, there is the, you know, cast, uh, like, you know, the Avengers cast. Uh, that one's really cool. Um, it's yeah, very their like, alternate posters are much better than their actual yeah, posters. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why they don't use them. It's really like, I mean, some of these I'm sure are fan made, but like, it's really a I shame that part like, of it is as simple as like contracts with movie stars that, like their maybe, face needs to be on the poster. Yeah. That's just it's just a shame because there's so much creativity in things like movie posters, things like video game covers, album covers. There's so much creativity in that type of medium and it's just a shame that most of the things we see are the, you know, hero portraits of them all facing random directions and looking uh, you know, as serious as can be so it's just a you know it but at least they have these alternate posters so like people can collect them and enjoy them because they really do bring out more of the personality you would expect from a marvel film because you know they're not all as doom and gloom as the dc films and it's just a shame that we're kind of stuck with the weird with just those weird posters. floating faces yeah basically. yeah i mean it's it's been a thing for a while i mean star wars also is that what the new trilogy was that way i can't remember really where the trend started but it's kind of always been like that it's kind of like how people myself included make fun of the hallmark christmas movie posters that are all the same that's just red and green uh with the two main protagonists some snow christmas trees christmas lights it's i mean it's it's all the same so you know what movie has one of the greatest posters of all time What? the phantom menace okay all right i'm gonna look this up yeah it is phenomenal simple and tells the story without a word needing to be said okay is it it's just the regular one yeah it should be just the first one that pops okay it's not the one with the floating faces oh it's just the anakin ah and the shadow i see the shadow yeah isn't that perfect yeah sometimes that's all you need minimalism is just like you can tell a story with just pictures you don't like you're right you don't need words to tell a story and it like i immediately recognized it once i figured out which poster it was so yeah no that's really awesome i stuff like that is cool like terrible movie amazing (laughs) poster uh so (laughs) yeah yeah i agree it's a great 
poster, though. I I will give them I will give them credit for that. Whatever else they did with the Phantom Menace, no. But I will give them, yes. I, I mean, there are many poster. issues with Star Wars, but there are a lot of amazing artists at Lucasfilm, and there always have been. Yes. All right. I think that's all we have for you this or today on the Crosscheck NHL show. We'll be back on Thursday. But before we go, thank you for making us your first listen on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And make sure that your second listen is Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms.